Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning here in the room and also online. We know this is kind of a long weekend with school being out on Friday and Monday. So if you're watching online now, traveling, uh, welcome to our services today. We're continuing a sermon series called Moving Beyond Me. And last week, Chad had a powerful message here in the auditorium that uh, when we see ourselves as God sees us, we begin to see others the way God sees them. And once we believe in the gospel, we turn our attention from ourselves to serving others, moving beyond me. When we no longer see people who can be used for our purpose, but we see them as recipients of God's grace. And, and Chad said this, we, we're tempted sometimes to objectify others. We, we put these labels on people that, are, that they are unhelpful or they're a nuisance or they're broken or they're needy. But when God changes our hearts, we see people the way Jesus sees people, which leads us to our scripture reading this morning from Luke's gospel. So if you're able to stand, would you stand for the reading of God's word? One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that's a, a huge question. And it's one that I want you to receive the answer for today. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now Go and do the same. The word of God for the people of God. Father God, I pray that you would help us to read your word in a way that is in keeping with your will. Help us not to read it the way we want to read it. Help us to read it the way Jesus gave it. And may we see your word as our guide, our lamp, the source of truth in our lives. Speak to us today. Speak to me, Father God, and speak 
to all of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as you look at this text this morning, uh, it begins with an interrogation. A lawyer who specialized in Jewish law comes to interrogate Jesus. Now, it takes a lot of gumption to interrogate the Son of God, but he wanted to test him. He asked Jesus a loaded question. Don't you love loaded questions? Because loaded questions means there is a, an agenda. There's some other plan behind the question. And questions are powerful. Jesus used questions a lot. In fact, there's over 300 times in the Gospels that Jesus asked a question. He used them well. And he would always, not always, but often answer a question with another question. We can learn a lot of how, by how Jesus communicated. So, so the lawyer asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to go to heaven? Now, in reality, you really can't do anything to inherit something. If you're an heir, you're guaranteed to receive an inheritance in due time. So Jesus says, what does the law of Moses say? Now, it's a given here, and it says it plainly in the text, that the lawyer is using a question to trap Jesus, to trick him. And yet Jesus is using a question to teach, to teach this lawyer. Now, I believe that we can learn how to better interact with people who have doubts, who have questions about the faith, who even want to debate the faith. We should listen to them. We should ask good questions. You know, we ask questions for information. Jesus asks questions for transformation. He's in, his intent is for this religious lawyer's life to be transformed through these questions and answers, through this interrogation. And the interrogation leads us to some good instruction. The lawyer gives the correct answer. And whenever he answers Jesus, he quotes from the Shema. Now, what is the Shema? The Shema is the Jewish prayer. It's like our Lord's Prayer that we just prayed a few minutes ago. It's the Jewish confession of faith found in the book of Deuteronomy. It is something a good Jewish person would repeat every morning and every evening. And we find it again in Deuteronomy. Listen, people of Israel. The Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That is, is the Shema. And it goes on in Deuteronomy to say this. Always remember these commands I give you today. Teach them to your children and talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them down and tie them to your hands as a sign. Tie them on your foreheads to remind you and write them on your doors and gates. Now, this Jewish lawyer is doing that. He knows the law. He knows the teachings of God. He's probably wearing one of those things that the Jewish teachers would wear uh, with the, around his forehead, a little box with the law inside the box. He also quotes from Leviticus 19. Do not hurt someone who has hurt you. Do not keep on hating the sons of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And the Apostle Paul takes all of that and sums it up well in Galatians 5.14 when he writes, 
You obey the whole law when you do this one thing. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God and love neighbor. Now, we're in the middle. Our men on Friday mornings and other folks in the church are reading through the Old Testament in 220 days in 2022. And I would say to all of us, we can sum up the Old Testament in love God and love your neighbor. The two commandments are defined by those two great commandments. Commandments one through four teach us love for God. Commandments five through 10 teach us love for others. The great church theologian Augustine said this, love God and do as you please. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and do as you please. Because when we really love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, we will naturally want to do the right thing and supernaturally, we'll be able to do the right thing because we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. So if I truly love God, I will not have other gods in my life. I won't have any graven images in my life. If I truly love God, I won't take his name in vain. If I truly love my neighbor as myself, I won't steal from my neighbor. I won't lie to my neighbor. I won't covet what is my neighbor's. I certainly wouldn't kill my neighbor. And if I see my neighbor in need, I'm going to help him, is what the Old Testament is about. But all of that that he knows is not enough for the lawyer. He wants to justify himself or have the last word. Now, lawyers love to have a closing statement, right? The last word. And so do pastors. We're guilty of that too, of having the last word the last part of the argument. We have to watch that about ourselves. So he tests Jesus and the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? It's a, it's a loaded question. Who is my neighbor? Now, let me just really recommend that you listen to Bill Baltonite's sermon this morning. He's preaching in the sanctuary. Don't get up right now. It, it would feel bad. But, uh, but you can watch it online. And it's a powerful sermon. He asks the question, how big is your neighborhood? And he really addresses this particular question. And one of the things he talks about is that our neighbors typically look like us, live like us, earn like us, act like us. But Jesus is asking a much deeper question. Who is your neighbor? Where the man is answering a deeper question. And Bill's, Bill, Bill's answering the question in a great sermon. So I encourage you to listen to it this morning. So, so Jesus' answer to this question, who is my neighbor, leads into this great story, one of the greatest stories in all of literature. It's a story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about a 17-mile journey. It's about the same as leaving here this morning and driving to Batesburg. Now, this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is much more dangerous than driving to Batesburg because thieves would hide in its caves and curves and cliffs and ambush travelers. It's, it's not a, a trip you would take alone. And the listeners who are listening to Jesus realize this is foolish. For this man to be traveling by himself on this road, and, and, and the inevitable happens, right? The traveler is beaten, he's robbed, and he's left for dead. And, and the lawyer is not surprised because you don't do that. You don't make this trip alone. But then Jesus throws a curveball, right? 
and a priest comes along. Now, I confess, as a pastor, I wish Jesus would have used some other example than a priest, right? Because I'm convicted by this story. What would I do? And what have I done when I've seen someone in need? Well, this priest in the story did not help. And Jesus makes it, makes it clear that he went out of his way to pass on the other side of this badly beaten, barely alive traveler. He wants nothing to do with this man. And next, it says, comes a temple assistant or a Levite. And surely he'll stop and help. But he too passes on the other side of the road. Now, and to really understand the parable, we, we need to have the backstory. And again, these two characters are clergy or they're pastors. And the priest's job was to officiate the temple sacrifices. And the assistant, the Levite, was to help maintain the temple. And their jobs required for them to be ceremonially uh, clean while on duty. And there was a whole list of things that they could not do. And one of those things was touching a dead body or any kind of bodily fluids. And, and, and so they, they didn't want to risk defilement. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because if they got defiled, they wouldn't get paid and they couldn't do their job. But they might have been afraid that they could, could have been attacked by the robbers who might have been waiting in the bushes. And so they chose safety and salary over compassion. They chose safety and salary over serving. Now, the lawyer is probably feeling convicted as Jesus tells this story because he probably would have done the same thing. He would have passed on the other side. But the story is about to get worse for the lawyer. The audience is thinking, well, surely some good Jew will arrive and save the day. But that's not the hero of the story. It's a hated Samaritan. There'd been an intense rivalry between Jews and Samaritans that goes back over 400 years. And the Samaritans were regarded by the Jews as being inferior, an inferior race with religious views full of error and heresy. They despised each other. The Samaritans despised the Jews and the Jews despised the Samaritans. And yet it is the Samaritan in this story that Jesus tells that gets involved. So I want to say a word this morning about involvement. And you heard a few minutes ago, Janice talking about the missions efforts of our church, both locally and globally. And I want to thank all of you that are involved because we couldn't do missions here without your involvement. And this priest and Levite did not want to get involved. They did not want to get their hands dirty. They did not want to follow the golden rule. What's the golden rule? Treat others the way you want them to treat you. They did not want to love their neighbor as they loved themselves. But the Samaritan got involved. The Samaritan took the time out of his schedule, was willing to get his hands dirty, was willing to take a risk and get involved. I love this quote from Martin Luther King on this parable. He says, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? How many of us take that same position? What will happen to me? 
But by the very nature of his concern, the good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If I don't stop, what will happen to him? Now, I found it interesting. I didn't say this in the first service, but when I was doing a little research on the Good Samaritan, I Googled lawyer and Good Samaritan, and I found out that South Carolina has a Good Samaritan law. That if you stop to help someone and something happens, you cannot be litigated or sued or, and don't follow my advice on that. Just go Google it and read it for yourself. Well, the pastor said, you know, then I'll be getting subpoenaed to go to court and you know, we don't want that. But, but there is a good Samaritan law where you're protected if you stop to help someone. But that shouldn't cause us to help someone because when we become followers of Jesus, we move beyond me we become the hands and the feet of Jesus, that we represent Jesus to the hurting people of the world. There was an involvement, but also there's a significant investment. The Samaritan not only got involved, but made an investment. And, and too oftentimes we don't get involved because it's an inconvenience, but oftentimes we don't invest because we don't have enough margin in our lives to invest. We, we, we've used everything for ourselves and there's nothing left to help someone else. And I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to have margin in our life, both time and resources to come alongside people in need. And where would we be today if someone had not taken the time to help us, to give us a hand up, to give us some counsel, to give us some guidance, even to give us some financial help? Mr. Rogers, who was infamous for being a good neighbor, said this, all of us at some time or other need help. Whether we are giving or receiving help, each of us has something valuable to bring to this world. That's one of the things that connects us as neighbors in our own way. Each of us is a giver and a receiver. Now, you may be thinking this morning, well, not me. I've done it all myself. I made my own way, really. What about the breath you're taking right now? What about the air that God has given you to breathe? What about the, the many, many, many second chances that God has given to you? His grace, his mercy. And to be followers of Jesus Christ who love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, we must get involved and we must invest in the things of God, helping the people of God. I love this quote by N.T. Wright. He says, no church, no Christian can remain content with living life in a way that allows us to watch most of the world lying half dead in the road and pass by. No church, no Christian should be content with watching half of the world lying dead, half dead in the road. Again, it's what one of our core values is to make an impact locally and globally as a church. Now, you have an involvement, you have an investment, and then the words of Jesus bring us this inspiration. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked a loaded question. It's a loaded question for you this morning. 
Which one of these three would you say was a neighbor? If you know the answer, you know you've got a responsibility. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now and go do the same. Now go and do the same. You know, the priest and the Levite love themselves more than they love their neighbor. They love keeping the letter of the law over loving a person in need. And in doing so, they broke the law. The, the lawyer could not even say the word Samaritan. He said the one. The one who stopped and showed mercy. See, our love for God must be revealed in our actions, not just our words. So this morning, I'd ask you this question. Why should we show mercy? Why should we show mercy? Well, first of all, Jesus commands it. He says, go and do likewise. Go and do the same. And secondly, we should show mercy because God has been merciful to you. And God has been merciful to me. Ephesians says it this way, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, laying beside the road, wounded, beaten, dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. So how do you inherit eternal life? How do you go to heaven? By receiving the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ, the grace of God that saves us when we're dead in our sins. God has been merciful to you. And today, if you've not received that mercy, I invite you to receive the mercy of God. But also hear this, my friends. You and I will need mercy in the future. We will need mercy in the future. James says it this way in chapter two, there'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Thanks be to God, right? It's a call to be merciful. And then I would say to you that mercy brings joy. It brings real joy to our lives. It brings passion to our lives. It brings purpose to our life. It brings meaning to our life. Now, the Good Samaritan is a simple story, but it's really hard to live. It's hard to live this story, but we're called by Jesus to do so. I want to take a moment and invite... Uh, Chris Condon out here this morning to be with me. Chris is the chair of our finance committee here at Mount Horeb. He is the regional president of Mungo Homes. You may see him. He serves as an usher on Sunday mornings. And for the last 11 years, he's been serving on the board at the Oliver Gospel Mission. And so, Chris, thank you for coming. Let's give him a welcome this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Chris, tell the folks a little bit about your story of of, uh, getting involved, what it's like. Well, I think... uh, for my wife and I, we, uh, we kind of started with things that were kind of in our wheelhouse. And um, she's a realtor now, but at, at the time we were both in construction. So housing-related charities, uh, children's ministry for her. But I think things really kind of turned when um, we got a little uncomfortable with what we were willing to jump into. And that really starts with a gentleman named Frankie-san, who uh, was a Japanese gentleman who, who spent his, uh, most of his adult life 
in the prison system handing out lollipops to inmates until they would ask him, why do you do this? And then he would share the gospel with them and just love on them. And he did this for 40 years, was an absolutely amazing man. And I got to know him, but before that, um, he was invited into our Sunday school as a guest. And um, he, he showed up dressed head to toe in a Santa outfit with a string of jingle bells. And, you know, he's this frail old Japanese gentleman. He walks in bowing and nodding and jingling. This is not Christmas time. You know, this was before October, November, something like that. So, you know, we're like, what, what's going on here? And uh, so he tells us his story, and it was uh, amazing. And he invites us down to downtown Columbia to minister to the homeless. So he was, we were going to do gift bags, hand them out, and just minister to the homeless. So uh, we went down there, and they invited us. They, it, and asked us to bring our kids. These are my two boys on the left there and Gina. So we go out there, uh, and, and that was a little uncomfortable bringing the kids out, but they encouraged us to do so. And it was amazing. You know, he would just walk the streets and jingle, and people would come out, and we'd talk and just get to know them, which you, you don't really get a chance to do with homeless people, and just spend some time with them. And it, it was really, really rewarding. We saw a lot of men. Um, we saw some women, which you don't normally see. And uh, I think the, one of the most impactful moments for us was when we saw some children. And we were handing out um, uh, gift bags at, at one stop, and uh, there were some people coming and going, helping us. So I handed a tray of these gift bags to, to somebody that was helping us, and he said, no, 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 I only need four for my wife and my daughters here. We live in that car, and we're homeless. And it was just, you know, stopped me cold. It's because, you know, you, you realize that, some people have found themselves homeless, and there's a lot of innocent victims out there along the way. And it was just really impactful, and um, I, I felt the need to kind of just figure out what was going on with that and looked into homelessness a little bit, got myself involved in Oliver Gospel Mission and ended up on the board for uh, 11 years, just finished last week, actually. And the, it just had some really incredible experience dealing with the men, and a lot of people don't know what they do there. It's not just about feeding and housing ho homeless men, but... Um, they, they come alongside them and give them life skills and develop them and, and, and help them launch in the, in the way that God would want them to do and give them a vocation that lines up with their calling. Just amazing work, changing lives there. Well, one day in a, in a, um, a board meeting, someone asked, why, why are we just doing this for men? And there's women and children out there that need help. So uh, we, we charted a course to raise money and build a, a facility called Toby's Place, which ministers the same way to women and children changing their lives. So it's been a really, uh, really great trip for me along the way, learning uh, about it and understanding and just, just trying to help out where I could. And it's not just about uh, what goes on in the ministry. For me, it was also very helpful to kind of understand and, and have the confidence to engage some people in need, which I didn't have before. I, mean, you know, the, I just, it wasn't my thing. So I, uh, one story we talked about when I was in Raleigh recently on a business trip. We have an office up there. Went up there for a Christmas party, and we had a hotel. Uh, it was about a mile away from the event space, so I, I drove in there. It was quite early. I was driving around looking for a space. No space, right? I had to, had to come back to the hotel and park and walk, and uh, I was early, so it was fine. So I'm walking down this, this night road in Raleigh, cold winter night, and I'm thinking to myself, this, this is not an accident, right? So something's going to happen here. So I was waiting expectantly. And I didn't have to wait long. Passed a bar that was kind of spilling out onto the street because uh, COVID, they were outdoor dining and um, kind of worked through the crowd. And this gentleman comes up to me and says, can you help me out? And I asked him his name. His name was William. We kind of pulled to the side a little bit. And I asked him what his story was, how'd you end up here? 
And that's not an easy story to get through, so it was pretty intense. And, um, you know, we're, we're getting into it. And he says, he just looks at me and he goes, why'd you stop and talk to me? And, and I said, well, God, God told me to. So what do you think God wants you to hear? And he just goes, I, I grew up in the church and I've made some really bad life choices and found myself here. And I've been trying to save my, get my life back on track and I, I just can't do it um, and I, I need help. And I said, all right, now I know why we're here. What are we gonna do about that? So we, we, we talked about it and, and talked about some, you know, getting a place to stay and get cleaned up so you can get a job and finding a job. And right on cue, a guy walks out for a cigarette break with an apron on from the kitchen in the bar we were sitting in front of. And they nod like they almost know each other. And so we engage and turns out, you know, I said, could you use a guy in the kitchen? Yes, I can. Would you hire him if he showed up for work and cleaned up? Yes, I would. So, you know, all this is going on and he, the guy just drops onto his knees right there and hands over his head, starts praying. Uh, it's William. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna let William do this alone. So I, I dropped right next to him, dressed like this in the middle of the street, right in the bar <laughs> and we're praying. He's, he's praying for, you know, staying on track and all that. And then by the time, uh, by the time that ended, we're, we're get up, he gives me a big hug and not for a second, but for several minutes, uh, very intense engagement. And we're saying goodbye and we're walking away and I, 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 I turn and walk into my event space and I was just like, what just happened here? This is, this, this is not me. I don't do this stuff. So it was just incredible. And, that, you know, this is, there's, it's just so wonderful to be used and to be able to plug in and just, it's been a joy to your fourth point. Yeah, I, we were talking backstage and, uh, and you were sharing, you know, what, what is the benefit of, 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 of touching someone's life that way and the, the joy and the meaning of purpose and, and life takes a whole new perspective, right? Yeah, I, you know, he may have benefited, I don't know, uh, but I know I did <laughs> and it, it's, it's, I, I just, I can't recommend enough just getting uncomfortable and, and just going out and, and do something you wouldn't normally do because it, it just, you know, to me, it's, it's what it's about. Thank you, Chris. Let's give him a hand. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. It's a great word uh, to add to my sermon when I give this again somewhere else. Be willing to get uncomfortable. You know, the, the, the Levite and the priest were not willing to get uncomfortable. And I suspect that most of us struggle with that part of it, being uncomfortable in a situation we've never done before. But you see, Jesus didn't tell us to wait till we got comfortable. He told us to love our neighbor as ourself. There's a story about five businesswomen who were on a trip to Milwaukee from Chicago. It was a big sales convention and they promised their families they'd be home for supper. Well, the meeting ran a little over and they were rushing through the train station to catch their train when one of the women inadvertently knocked over a table that had a bunch of apples on it. Apples went everywhere, but the women, they couldn't stop because they were gonna miss their train. And they boarded the train, but one of the women felt something inside of her she uh, felt a twinge of compassion and she thought she might need to get 
uncomfortable. And she told the women, you'll go on, I'll catch the next train. And she goes back to the 10-year-old boy who had been selling apples to buy school supplies. And when she gets down on her knees, she realizes the little boy is blind and he can't see the apples. And she begins to pick the apples up and she notices some of them are bruised. She puts them back in the basket and she reaches into her purse and takes out $20 and says, here's $20 for the apples that we damaged. God bless you and may you have a wonderful rest of the day selling these apples. As the woman walked away, the little boy called after her and says, are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? So the question that I have for us today, when was the last time somebody, somebody confused you with Jesus? Because you stopped. Because you missed the train. Because you saw somebody that was hurting in need. As Chris said, somebody spilling out of a bar. And how many times we've we been asked that question, can you help me? And we move right on. God is speaking to us today to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Father God, I thank you that you have loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you for the mercy you've offered to all of us and the mercy we've received by your grace. And Father, I ask you to forgive us for not loving you with our whole hearts, for not loving our neighbors as ourselves. And Lord God, thank you that listening to this message today, listening to Bill's message are thousands of people who can go and make a huge difference in the world. Lord, you want to change our hearts. Change our hearts today. Father, may you touch us. Touch us with the, your voice. Touch us with your, your call. Touch us with your mercy and your grace. And Lord God, when we have that next encounter, help us not to cross to the other side of the road. But help us to walk up and go, what's your story? How can I help? Father, give us the courage and give us the strength because you've touched our lives with your grace and mercy. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.